Hello, and welcome to Traeger Method Podcast, episode 38. This is a bonus episode in the sense that I am doing two this week. This one is a companion, an addendum, in addition to a response to episode 36, my conversation with Martin Sprouse. If you listen to that one, if you haven't listened, go back, listen, that's your homework. Stop this right now and listen to that one. If you have already listened to episode 36, you probably heard us and you probably remember us talking about Mark Sperry, the late 80s, early 90s, San Francisco writer, spoken word artist, musician, Mark Sperry and his band Third Rail. Martin and I talked about how we were very fascinated with him because of his extreme emulation of Henry Rollins and his extreme kind of adoption of Rollins's mannerisms, look style, his music, all that. And we talked about the mystery, why he's a point of fascination, because we didn't know, we didn't ask him back then, you know, what his philosophy was, what his level of awareness was about what he was doing. I didn't know him, and I did, never asked him, and I didn't get any feel for that. But it was interesting to me back then. The thing that my guests point out, and that is true, is his work was actually good. He was good at, at the things he did. His band was good. It was very thorough and well done, you know, but you couldn't really judge the work as anything but this, you know, the the only thing you could pay attention to was this aspect of it, this homage aspect of it. Another mysterious point of fascination is what became of Sperry. He stopped releasing music and writing, as far as I know, and uh, I've heard several things. He was an EMT. I heard that he was a monk, a Buddhist monk. Another person online suggested that he had killed himself. After posting the episode 36 with Martin in that and a, a video of Third Rail on my Instagram, um, a couple of people reached out to me and I spoke with them over the phone. I spoke with Nathan Carter, an artist based in Brooklyn. He's very talented, makes beautiful work. Nathan tried out for Third Rail. He practiced with the band twice in the 90s in San Francisco. He tells us about that. I have to apologize to him. I uh, He had to tell his story twice because I didn't hit record on my phone recorder. So thank you, Nathan, for taking the time to, do, to tell your story twice. I feel like I was a little flustered after that, and I, I spoke over you too much as well. And my, my voice also does this strobing thing in this call. Overlook that. Listen to Nathan. You'll enjoy. I spoke with Jeremy Adkins, my friend Jeremy Adkins. He is in old school Bay Area punk. We met doing stand-up comedy a few years ago. He's in a band. He was on his way. I caught him on his way to practice with his band, uh, Camp Crystal Meth. Jeremy has a some stories about Sperry. He was friends with him back in the day. Also, identified as a Rollins-esque performer and writer then, and he he was a big fan of Rollins, and admits to emulating him himself, as did I back then. Jeremy put me in touch with my third guest today, Eugene Robinson, punk rock culture legend, a true legend. I don't use that word loosely, lightly. Musician, author, martial artist, singer of Whipping Boy, hardcore band Whipping Boy, singer of the brilliant Oxbow, New York hardcore, 
Bay Area hardcore. Eugene Robinson, I spoke with him. That was so cool. We're going to do a whole episode with him in the future and later this summer. This is just a taste. Eugene points out that Sperry was good. He had him guest on an Oxbow record as a singer. He's like, he's like Rollins, only he could sing better. So once again, thank you so much to my three guests today for taking the time to talk to me about Sperry. If by some chance Mark Sperry listens to this, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being you. And I'd also like to thank you, dear listener, for listening to the podcast and supporting it. You can do that. There is a link in the show notes to contribute money to the pod through the Anchor app. Thank you so much to all my supporters. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. Okay, we're going to do these three conversations in the order in which I did them. I'm going to post them in the order in which I did them. The first one we're going to hear is my conversation with Jeremy Adkins. Talk to me about Mark Sperry. Okay, so absolutely 100% got to be clear that Mark is... He, I, he's a, I liked that he was there. He was, he was a very interesting guy. Um, and also he's not, he's unique, but he's not totally unique. Cause I have to confess, I had my own like stylish dig, like crush on, 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 on Henry in that. And there's a few people and I actually know some of them who kind of, you know, did the chap book thing all in Helvetica, sure. you know, the solitary sure. lonely man poetry where, out in the world alone, face, you know, that kind of shit. And, uh, and actually it's kind of scary who made me go, Oh, I need to slow down on this. Cause that's mm. how it looks when you turn it up. That's not yeah. a good look. Um, but okay. So, yeah, I want to be clear too. I'm, I in no way with, with this exploration of Mark Sperry, do I want to bag on the guy? I'm a hundred percent of that same mind where I can totally relate. Just like you were saying, you know, in my early 20s, oh, my God, yeah, so influenced by people, so overwhelmed with, like, admiration yeah. for certain artists and stuff. And, yeah, you take on their, you know, you can't help but kind of adopt their voice or their style. And Henry Rollins, yeah, like you were saying, the loner poet guy, he's such an archetype. And I definitely oh, I mean, had, you know, it It was just the, the ex- extreme nature of Fairy's ad- oh, oh, adoption of it, adoption of well, that. Um, yeah, it was I mean, so interesting. So really quickly, not to, but like really quickly, like my biggest thing, like I realized much later, my biggest uh, attraction, my biggest like, oh, that's very cool with, with Henry was that it was a, a strong voice of like, you can do things and you don't need a group to do them with. Yeah. And I was like, I fucking dig that. So as far as Mark... So when I'll give you the I'll give you kind of the innocuous and then I'll I'll give you the story I remembered on the uh, on the walk back from the walk, which sure. is I swear to God the truth. That's how I good believe. it is. Okay. So I met Mark before I met Dave McCord, who I became friends with, and that's kind of how I heard more Mark stories. Tell people who um, Dave McCord is. Oh, oh. So Dave Will, David Wilson McCord was a writer who was a bass player in third rail and I mean, Mark's best friend, like they grew up together. Um, so I met Dave first in the sense that I was stage manager at a third rail show. And I saw a guy in a black t-shirt looking kind of gruff, 
I went, oh, similar. That must be Mark. That's this is what everybody's talking about. They're blowing it out of portion. I walked up and I go, hi, Mark. I'm Jeremy. I, he goes, I, I'm Dave. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you. Uh, he's like, no, no, you want to go outside. And literally, he just said, no, no, you want to go outside. And I was like, oh. And I walked outside and went, oh shit. Because I I had seen the Black Flag and the Rollins Band and photos, of course, and I was like this is a joke, right? You're, I mean, he was yeah, in costume. And so it was like, I walked up and I was like, Hey, nice to meet you. And he was really nice. He was professional. We didn't talk much. And that was it. And like, mm-hmm. I, I saw, I saw him at Bart a couple of times and I would run into him and then I started doing the books. But like the thing that for me, that was so weird was, the progression of it, you know, tell me about where that. like I watch, I got to watch the progression of it in the sense that like I saw them live and, you know, he strips down except, yeah, you know what? I'm going to save, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to leave out some of the personal opinion. Um, so, you know, he strips down to, to, to barely nothing to go perform. And so you can kind of go, Oh, well that's what you look like. Right. And so I saw him early and I kind of went, the tattoos are similar. And then I saw another show and I went, Oh, he's got more tattoos and they're starting to look, I don't know this well enough. I'm going to have to be like, and so I actually get into having to do a deep dive myself. And like, I went and saw the Rollins band and part of me, a large part of me was enjoying the show. And a little bit of me is chronicling. Okay. He's got a tattoo there. That yeah. tattoo there. Okay. So that angle is there. You know, like really getting into it. Cause I knew Matching I was going to see third yeah. rail the following week. And so when I saw Third Rail for the, like the third time, I kind of went, "Oh wow, there's yeah. been some serious homework done." Like the angle <laughs> yeah. is right on that, and the that is right in the place of that, and that's the right number of those. And I was blown away. But but so, sorry, I don't mean to just talk over you. No, no. I wanted to ask: is it, was he uh, ripped? Did he work out like Rollins? Was his physique uh, as he, cut as Rollins? That he worked out, but like, so like I say, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that he, I think he was more obsessed with getting the look right. Yeah. Maybe. Cause that's, I kind of think that that's one of the reasons the shirt was on. Was yeah. Okay. That, that he kind he of pulled off like, the chiseled. But like, but like, I, like I said, like, I mean, I work out now again a lot. I, I've never, except when I was emaciated, owned a six pack. Yeah. You know, but I think that, oh God, man. Okay. You know what? Tell, time to tell tales out of school. So okay. part of why Mark did the Henry thing was insecurity. He was a fat kid. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that gave, that gave him a goal, I think, honestly. Right. You know, like to achieve you know, Rollins. You know, yeah. I mean, which you know, I guess if you're going to go for macho, good-looking dudes, you know, Henry's not a bad goal. Yeah, with know? a bohemian, bohemian art artist, uh, you mind know, and heart. You know, yeah, he's it's a literate. Cool, he, yeah, mm-hmm. he he's not a total meathead, right? And you know, he's got a six-pack, right? Mean, and nothing to do. You know, 
Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so like, so yeah, so I watched the progression of it and, and I, I, at this point I met his tattoo artist and like, it was Sperry's or Rollins's? Sperry's. Sperry's tattoo artist. Okay. Yeah. Cause he, I, we, we all lived in East Bay. We were all sure. in East Bay. Okay. Well, so he was you in know, East Bay, like, not, not, not San Francisco. Huh? He was in um, East Bay, not San Francisco. I'm a hundred percent not sure. Like, okay. like I'm pretty sure. Like, I know he lived down the street from Dave for a little while, but okay. he could have lived. I like. Oh my god, the stupid shit I know. Uh, Steve Merritt lived <laughs> in San Francisco, and Steve Merritt was uh, a clone of of um, Sperry doing the the Rollins thing, which was fascinating. Steve Merritt put out books. Steve Merritt was influenced by Sperry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was doing you know, a wrong. You don't know this one, do Mary. you? No. You don't know this one, do you? No. Okay, so... <laughs> oh, the stupid shit that I've retained in my life. Um, we all, yeah. So, so, Mark had a publishing company, Caffeine Machine Publications. Right. Right. And so part of how I knew Mark was, I'm, I'm the guy that if I need information, if I need help, I'll ask anybody I think can help me, including the guy who, as Dave put it, uh, dude, what were you thinking? He's not going to help you. He's afraid you're going to buy up all the black T-shirts. <laughs> you're which competing is why, for Rollins. Which, which is why I fucking love Dave, because he would say shit like that to both me and Mark. I see. Oh, yeah. No, Dave was the foil. Like, Dave was amazing. Uh, but um, so... So yeah, so he had Caffeine Machine Publications, which was just, you know, uh, you know, he was doing his own, you know, I mean, which is cool, you know, publish your own stuff and get that out there. Sure. But like he was yeah. doing obviously everything that, that, that 213 did, he did. Yeah. Well, you know, um, and so then, so then he put out Steve Merritt's book. Very did. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, so, and I mean, Steve Merritt played in some bands, and he, he is a good guitar player, and he can, he can, and I mean, I eventually, I think he, he got away from the third rail thing, because he was like, well, this isn't going to go very far. I mean, you right. know, the, the Rollins band isn't really selling tickets. What's, what a tribute band is the Rollins <laughs> band going to bring yeah. in, you know, yeah. W2Ys? So, right. um yeah, so... Do, do you know if Sperry ever met Rollins and vice versa? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had lunch down here one time, down in L.A. Really? That was like, that was like a... a he he mentioned it in a book. I, I apologize. I don't have any of his books. No, I don't have any right. of his books. No problem. Um, but one is available online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've seen Caffeine Machine is on uh, uh, eBay. Yeah, so... But yeah, he had lunch lunch with with Henry down here, um, and it was you know it was a, it was a big deal for him. Oh yeah, um, I mean, what would that be like? Did he, what did he say you know, about it? Like, well, I mean, he writes about it. He wrote about this, so I know it happened because Dave mentions it to me at some point, and so this is the part that I I I I'm dying to tell you, and I'll just tell you. So Dave mentions okay. it to me at one point, and he also mentions it to Henry himself when Henry's calling to threaten to kill Mark. 
Oh. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Henry got yeah. pissed off about this whole thing. So I don't know all of the details of it because they involve uh, my friend who's, who's uh-huh. telling me about it, who is in and out of being dope sick and not paying attention to others. You know, like sure. Henry Mark drama is really not at the top of his list of, of priorities. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and what Mark writes for my anthology and what somebody else told me who I now forget who it was that I got the information from at that point. But anyway, so I wrote, I, so I was a, I, I am a writer and I was publishing stuff and I was really trying to get away from ripping off, you know, Rollins' style. And so I started doing anthologies is, is what I published because mm-hmm. I could, I could get a bunch of writers and I could get a bunch of attention and it could be mine. Right. I see. In a way. Anyway, um, so he wrote a thing for the second anthology that was about how some guy had been threatening to kill him, like, like, and, and how he was going to respond. And who was this guy? Henry Rollins. It was Rollins. And I found this out. So, so, so the, 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 the highlight of that is that, um, Joe Cole shows right. up at the Paradise Lounge, and I, I haven't had any luck figuring out who I'd ask about this, like, given given the subject and given who's the filmer, in the sense that, like, that's probably not going to be released by yeah. anybody, which is Joe Cole shows up at the Paradise Lounge for, for Sperry's, you know, reading, one of his, his shows, and starts recording him, basically going, so... Uh, why are you ripping off Henry? What the fuck's your trip? Can you get your own life? What, what's what's going on, right? And then follows that up by a series of phone calls to uh, Mark's house, which is actually Dave's house. And so oh. part of this is picked up on by Dave, who answers the phone one day, apparently dope sick as fuck. And, and Henry's on the other end going, I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. I'm going <laughs> to kill you. I'm going to come get you. And Dave's going, dude, wrong guy. I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> I'm just wrong guy. Yeah. Right? Like, and then having a conversation with, with Henry in which he talks about, you know, dude, the guy's your hero. Like, like going yeah. to lunch with you is like the best thing he ever did. Like, why can't yeah. you just be cool? And, yeah. and Henry basically going, dude, that guy's got to knock it off. Yeah. Um, he just freaked out by it. I get why. I mean, wouldn't you be? Yeah, but then on the same side, it's like, what is it hurting? And like, you know, the guys. Yeah, I mean, I don't oh, know. Oh, but but I mean, I'm 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 still. I mean, I you know, select material only, but I'm still a big fucking Rollins fan, and I wouldn't say that he's anywhere near the most rational person, especially when it comes sure. to his own identity. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean. I mean, it's really? a weird thing when somebody steals your whole thing. It's, it's a little uncanny, I mean, crazy. I, it would, it would, it would trip me the fuck out. It would definitely, yeah. I would definitely be like, um, which what, one of us should I be more worried about? You know, what is the threat level here, too? <laughs> yeah, like, like, is this where you steal? Like, my yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah no, oh, dude, my. I lock my garbage cans. <laughs> 
I mean, well, I've had people steal my garbage before, but that that was not. Yeah, that was a that was that was that was less uh, that was less identity theft. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like I I think that I think that I don't I don't think I have much. I mean, all of you know, I mean, all of the the stuff I really other stuff I know about Mark is just oh oh oh. So yeah, so what I do know is he's still alive. Okay, he's oh, he still is. out there uh-huh. kicking. He's healthy. Um, good, good, good. That's that's you know really knows, yeah. You know, so Eugene. Eugene also knows him. Eugene yeah. knows him better than I do. Way better. Um, I have to talk to Eugene. But um, he, I think he said to Eugene, "You can you can follow this up." He said to Eugene at one point about his tattoos that if it was a real simple procedure, he'd have them all lasered off or something. Oh, I see. Yeah, so but I mean, like, regret. like I said, that's yeah. that's something I would follow up with Eugene. And so yeah. I tell people who Eugene is, huh? Tell people who who, who oh, Eugene well, uh, is. Eugene Robinson. Um, I mean, I think he's now more known as the guy from Ozzy, not Ozzy the band, but Ozzy the the website, Ozzy the, the his 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 business um oh, but i mean whipping boy he was whipping boy yeah that's what he's whipping for. boy he he's still an oxbow he's done yeah. collaborations with numerous people um neurosis uh yeah um i mean long list um yeah he's uh i think he's a jujitsu brown belt at this point it's yeah. been a long time since i've sparred with him so do MMA or done MMA, right? I did jujitsu, jiu-jitsu black belt jujitsu. I I right. am I am as as the old men say retired from from that Reti- kind of activity. <laughs> retired from the mat. Re- retired retired from getting twisted in a pretzel by young men who 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 don't don't mind me being roadkill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound like fun. Not sustainable after fifty. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm just around the corner from 50, and I just, I, I think that my days is, is someone's um, uh, asterisk in their, their, their rapid rise to being very good at our sport was. Uh, yeah. No thanks. Awesome. Well, good luck with your band. And with, are you, are you still doing stand up? Are you back at that? I'm going to get back into that. I'm going to get back into that. I was actually. What's funny is when when I when I was calling, I was like, yeah, I. I I have Nothing again, yeah. Yeah. Like well I took a year off for work. Yeah. So like I was working sixty to eighty hours a week for a year and so um and now I'm not. So I think yeah. So I think comedy in a band yeah. and, and yeah. That's great. Well good luck with all of it, Jeremy. I appreciate you talking Thank to you. me about Sperry, the of mystery course. of Mark. Here's my conversation with Brooklyn-based artist Nathan Carter about the experience he had trying out for Third Rail. When I'd had enough of Boston, I'm just going to say this one more time. Yeah. That Boston being the racist fishing village that it is, I needed to move to San Francisco. I I moved from the the Museum School of Fine Arts to the San Francisco Art Institute, and, and and I... I brought my base with me and I, and someone had given me some money to pay for rent for a few months. And I, and I instead took that money and went out and bought this amplifier that was like, just like the one that Daryl Jennifer used in the bad brains. 
Right. And, and it was this, this kind of aluminum speaker hard key. It was two cabinets. It was like a, a you know, giant 15-inch speaker and then a, another cabinet with four 10-inch speakers. And it was just incredibly loud. And, and, I, and I just wanted to play in bands. And so I found these guys to play with in initially in Oakland that were unrelated to third rail. Well, sort of. And, oh, okay. and, and, and eventually, um, after a few months of playing, the drummer decided to move back to Washington, DC via a bicycle ride. Like he rode his bicycle from San Francisco back to DC. Okay. And that was the end of that musical experiment. And the guitar. Where were you, was, where were you rehearsing? Did you play shows? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, we never played a show, but we, but, it was the the place where we were playing was really amazing. It was this old motel where it was a kind of derelict motel where, where all the motel, what were motel rooms were individual rehearsal spaces and people had converted the bathrooms into kind of like mixing board rooms or, or microphone uh-huh. vocal booths or something like this. And we were kind of like doing our best sort of like imitation of some cross between like Van Halen and the Descendants. And, uh-huh. and we were really, we were really, we thought we were really rad. And, and, and then, and then, right, the drummer leaves and then it's kind of like, you know, that was the sort of end of that. And then the guitar player mentioned that he knew a band that needed a bass player. And I had said, Hey, you know, like I'll do it, but you have to come with me. Cause I didn't want to just like go with these people I didn't know and, and, and play. And, and yeah. that, that was how I met Mark Sperry and third, rail what was third rail at that time i see so what happened from there um so they we i remember driving with the guitar player my friend and the the guitar player for third rail across the golden gate bridge to marin city and then kind of like somehow it felt like just outside of town maybe up in the hills somewhere in this this house that was in the woods surrounded by conifer trees. And there was this smaller building, which might've been a converted garage. I remember that the walls were lined with cedar and the carpet was like a shag, dirty carpet. I remember they, when I went into this rehearsal space, they told me don't stand over there because that's where Mark spits on the floor while he's singing. All the Rollins. And then he shows up totally. He shows up and it was like, Rollins just walked in the room and, and I had had this experience in Boston where I had like gone to see the Rollins band at green street station and, and been around the club in the afternoon during sound checks and seeing Rollins kind of preparing for his to do battle on stage and yeah. doing pushups and like kind of spitting everywhere and smashing his forearms against door frames and like, yeah, very you intense know, warm up. just like, and you don't talk to him. You don't even make eye contact with Rollins. It was like, he's like kind of comically hardcore. So, and, and I just remember that. And, and this meeting, this guy, Mark was sort of same kind of thing. And, and, and no one had really prepared me. They said he was into Rollins, but no one had prepared me for the extent to which so you did know you did know about the that. yeah you knew about the Rollins angle but you didn't know the, the yeah. intensity of it because yeah. it can't be overstated right it can't be overstated and 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 like I mean I was I was kind of you know I guess the best way to describe it is is they they had mentioned to me that there was going to be this show at UC Davis and that 
I wanted to do that. I wanted to have that experience of playing live at like a kind of a big drunken college show so badly that I actually had blinders on and couldn't see where I was. Because I think if I had had some sort of perspective on it, I would not have, I would have taken one look at this guy and been like, I can't, I can't do this. You know? Yeah. And there was something that was was so... Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask, was his demeanor Rollins-esque? Like when you're just between songs, you're hanging out, getting to know each other. Was he standoffish or... Every hair on his body was Rollins, from the shoes to the socks to the black shorts, the tight black t-shirts, the muscles the tattoos, everything out of his mouth was spoken in the same meter that Rollins used when he talked. Yeah. I mean, I used to listen to the, like with my friends in Boston, we used to listen to like Rollins spoken word things for fun, you know, cause it was like a comedy show. And, sure. and, and that I, I, so you, you know, you know how he talks and this is, this is how this guy Mark spoke and, and carried himself. Yeah. And, and I, I remember him being very talkative. And so I could like hear him a lot. And I was kind of, I guess I was just really curious, you know, in retrospect, I was just like, what the fuck was I thinking? And I remember going home over the holidays to Boston and bringing this the third rail record that they had given me to learn the songs and mm-hmm. playing it for my friends. And my friends were like, what the actual fuck is this? Like you, you don't want to be in this band. This is, it's not, this is, this is what you can't do. Like you, that's wrong, you know? And it's funny because now I don't know if it's like, I just, I don't know. I have a lot of empathy now for people at, who do this wrong thing. Sure. Say that. And I think there was something kind of sad about this whole situation. And I, and I've always been curious, like, what, who was this guy and what was he doing? And was there a moment where he faded out of it or why was he doing it? And it was a real curiosity. And I was just completely shocked when I opened up Instagram the other day and I saw your post and thought, oh, my God, I, I, this, I, I, was, I was fucking there. I saw it briefly, but I was there. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that very few people, if you weren't in San Francisco between 88 and 91, seeing shows at alternative places, you would just never know that this existed. You know, it's very, very, very niche and pre-internet and didn't, didn't have any legs beyond that. And yeah, and I've had that same thing for years where I, it's just uh, been that little thing where I'm like, what, what was the story? Cause you know, we always saw the guy and I knew people that knew him and they always said he was perfectly fine, but there was just the intensity of this emulation, imitation, adoption of another person's persona that was so extreme that it made me, yeah, think like, is it an art project where he's self-aware and he's, he's doing this as just a personal journey or is it a mental condition of some kind where he doesn't see that? I don't think he saw my, I yeah. thought about it since we started communicating back and forth. And I really, I mean, I've thought about this over the years. Like I don't, I really don't think that he kind of saw what it looked like to other people. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was a conceptual trick. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I think that he really, really like, I think he saw what Rollins did and was like, that is who I am. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, you know, like I, I used to read a lot of Hunter Thompson and he would, he would like, like I've heard him in interviews say that he was, when he wrote um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, or actually it was Hell's Angels, I think that was the one, that yeah. he wrote it in the meter of like another author. 
just because, mm. you know, because he he was kind of so enamored with kind of like some of the beat poets that he would he would he would like try to write like that. And I and I I don't know. I have a lot of empathy for artists who try other artists' pants on for size to see how they fit. I mean, sure. I I'm an artist. I do it too. Like I had this whole kind of fixation with Alexander Calder for a while, and I kind of eventually faded out of it. But you know, it just I, yeah. I, I get that when artists do that, like they kind of, you know, they, they try something out and usually it gets to the point where it's really embarrassing and people start to say things about it. And then you yeah. become, then you're self-aware enough to kind of say like, Oh, like I, maybe I need to, you know, put that in my pocket and move on. And, uh, um, right. Know. Or, or it's a thing where you aspire to be like somebody, but then you fall so short of it or you, do, you don't have the talent or whatever, you know, some like that was the thing at times where writing songs, they'd be like, I want to do a Otis Redding style song. But of course I'm shooting for that, but it's not going to sound anything like it because I'm the one doing it, you know? Right. It will be like um, a mediocre version of it, but there might yeah. be some kind of a happy accident that comes out or, or you get it out of your system in some way. Yeah. You just work kind of, through it. Yeah. yeah. But it's that like completeness of the adaptation of another, but uh, persona and all that. But again, yeah, I absolutely don't have any, I mean, we're all young at this time, you know, 20 years old, you know, like we're all sure. trying to find ourselves and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, um, it's not something for like ridicule. It's more of a point of fascination and just, yeah, questions about, it just brings up a lot of questions about identity and, and artistic vision and all those kind of questions are tied up in it. It's, it's interesting. Sure. Definitely. And I, 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 yeah, I mean, that's the way I've thought about it. It was like a kind of, it was like on, on the walk over to my studio tonight, a friend was saying to me, because I was kind of explaining the situation, is that, like, you know, Mark had some kind of crazy, and I, but I did too. And I, didn't, I, I couldn't really see how crazy this, like, you know, his, his interaction with Rollins was, because all I wanted to do was take this amplifier of mine to UC Davis and play. I still have never played a show at UC Davis, but, like, you know, maybe one day I will. I don't even know if it would be a good idea, but I just like at the time I wanted to do that so badly that I couldn't see it. And, and now in retrospect, I just, I, yeah, I have empathy for, especially at that time. Like if you think about hardcore music at that time, that there was just, you just had to sound, everything had to sound a certain way. So if somebody yeah. did something that was wrong and fucked up, it was like, Oh, well, what's that? And, you know, maybe that kind of wrong wasn't, I mean, I, it's not interesting to me, but it was, strange yeah 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 and there were so many young men who were who saw henry rollins as a model you know mm-hmm. i mean he was a very common influence and, and kind of a lifestyle cultural like mm-hmm. lifestyle coach type person you know that whole motivational speaker aspect of him and you know i i saw a lot of guys even myself i mean i i had times where i was inspired by him in that respect but mm-hmm. it's got the full-on immersion that made him kind of special this mark Sperry situation yeah, yeah, he was, Rollins was a, was a kind of like, you know, if you were a really angry, scared, freaked out, anxious kid, Rollins was a, spoke to you. It was like, yeah, yeah, that, that, a little that helped me survive, yeah. you know, the casual violence of Boston. And yeah, and, yeah. and not, a, not, not a great place to be like a young, queer, skateboarding punk rocker. Yeah, I can't imagine that would be the case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be I just like, yeah. Like no, <laughs> right? You, you go to a show and there's some jackass with a sawed-off hockey stick swinging it at the crowd. You know, like that's flap shot, 
fuck that band. <laughs> they could never rewrite. They could never re. They could never kind of like get the stain of of the 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 fucking environment that they created. That was that they'll they'll never live that down. I've seen a film by them where they tried to they tried to like rewrite that history of being like really sort of you know yeah. like inviting, but no, they'll they'll never be able to outlive that. No. You listen to the Treasure Method episode with Walter Glazer where he talks about Slap Shot playing at Gilman and no. all the uh, all the geeks at Gilman. This is when Gilman was at high geek court uh, where everybody's yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. riding tricycles in the pit and stuff. <laughs> and and, and the, the kids at Gilman like looked at the Slap Shot playlist or you know set list yeah. and would shout out whatever the next song was. They would shout out like they were requesting it. Yeah. And it and it drove on like crazy because they're just like all these because they're just shouting out the same song. Yeah, like the song is coming up. Like, please, oh, please, please, so good. please and play whatever. Up, you know, yeah, yeah. like jockstrap like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are called. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys are all like doing jumping jacks and stuff. I mean, no, I, I I actually just listened to the I actually just listened to the Joe Lally one, which was fucking great and totally oh, surprising. I loved when he was talking about the music that you that you love is often secret. Yeah. You know, like in Boston, I just wanted to be in a band with a bunch of sweaty punk rock women. Like that, yeah. you know, being in like, yeah. Like I wanted to hang out with like L7 and the Runaways and like, you know, Ari Up. <laughs> that, was, that was my fantasy of what I really, truly wanted to do. And um, I eventually made a film about like a kind of a punk, punk rock puppet show film called the dramastics about about wanting to do that really badly oh wow i'd like to see that is that online it it is yeah I'll, I will, send I will, me a link, send a link. yeah I send will. me links to all your stuff and i'll, I'll put sure. it in the show notes okay yeah absolutely absolutely thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and for i know this is really place. fun and fascinating it's really great to meet you because I'm, I'm i'm a fan of your podcast and of your instagram feed so it's like it's, oh i'm it's, so glad it's, it's really great language and stuff to think about. And, and oh, I'm so glad. It's been, a, it's been a joy. So I appreciate it. And thank you for all that. So. Oh, great. I also have another person that I talked to yesterday who had some scary stories. So yours will be paired with his. his okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, together. I should, before we go, like it, there is a, a kind of a sadness to the whole thing that I worry yeah. about. And when you, in part of your post was like, what happened? Right. And I don't, well, this person, I don't know. I, and and no. you, I don't know if you know, but like, well, this person I spoke to yesterday said that he's alive and well, he did not commit suicide. Okay. So, okay. um, so that's not like, that really, I was worried. When I saw that option. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I was like, yeah, I could see, you know, it falling apart and being like, oh, yeah. you know, but yeah. uh, no, that's not the case. I don't believe. So okay. hopefully he's out there living his life and it's all just a memory. Okay. Good. Thank you again. Have Thank a great you. night. Take care, Jason. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Nathan. Bye. Take care. Bye. And my last conversation is with Eugene Robinson. I'd like to thank Jeremy for putting me in touch with Eugene. Thank you again for listening. Here's my conversation with Eugene Robinson. Thank you so much for calling. I, I mean, for taking time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Hey, no, this is, uh, you know, it seems like we're curious about and obsessed about the same thing. Maybe this will drive <laughs> drive him out of the woodwork or some, some way. I'm hoping. That would be amazing if that happened. Yeah, I've heard so many rumors. So, uh, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, I love Whipping Boy and Oxbow. are both awesome bands. I really uh, appreciate your music. 
Oh, and cool. uh, over these many years. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that. Um, so tell me your Sperry story. Well, I've, I've got a few. I mean, we maintained an association for you know, several years and um, he, you know, Bart Thurber, who we he started House of Faith in the house. And that's where we recorded the first two Oxbow records in the house we lived. And Sperry had heard about him during, you know, doing these punk rock specials where he would charge, you know, bring in a can of food and a hundred dollars and we'll record your record. So he brought third rail there. And then of course I own, I own the bookstore, you know, record tape, t-shirt video bookstore, which is called CFY. Uh, so we call the whole place CFY house of faith. And, um, he said, well, I've got some books. I put the books here and, you know, I, 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 yeah, I had not heard of him before, but I, you know, I got the books and I immediately got what was happening and it was yeah. kind of morbid, a morbid fascination that, <laughs> um, this kind of, you know, Rollins-esque mimicry, but he had a couple of things that worked in his favor. One was that, um, he was actually fundamentally a better writer than, than than Rollins was, you know. Oh yeah, okay. So his 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 efforts, while they were you know bent toward sort of this kind of Rollins's mimicry, which I thought in and of itself was was fairly phenomenal, right? I mean, up to and including, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan was a Jimi Hendrix interpreter. There's plenty of room for interpreters, you know. I mean, yeah. Elvis gave. Uh, gave a big nod to Bing Crosby. And lots of people have actually Bing Crosby is wildly influential. Nobody thinks about it. Right. So is sure. it a copy? Is it a tribute? What is it? And he actually went out of his way to, to, you know, I mean, Rollins was initially friendly at first, but then my understanding is that at some point Rollins, when he was hanging out with uh, Don Bima or, or Bima of his own accord had kind of cornered Sperry and like, what the fuck are you doing? Ripping somebody off? Like, and, you know, I remember Rollins at one point sort of accused Phil Anselmo of when Anselmo finally shaved his head and was doing the kind of bald tattoo guy thing of ripping his shit off. And uh, Anselmo, Pantera, put him in his place and goes, I'm not going to take any shit at all from a guy who's never sold more than 10,000 records. <laughs> and you realize, well, Phil Anselmo can actually really sing. Sperry, yeah. can, Sperry could really write. And I mean, my hope is that I mean Rollins will always be Rollins, but that at some point that Sperry would actually have evolved his writing into writing something other than you know second generation Rollins stuff. That I don't right. know that that ever happened, um, but uh, I found him to be a perfectly cordial gentleman. And in the shows that he booked, you know, where he was like, "Let's get in the van, let's go to a show," and we do these spoken word shows. I found him to be a you know, a competent entertainer. I mean, I, I had some guy, actually this guy is now an award Emmy award winning cat who had decided in a weird way that he was going to imitate me. Right. Uh -huh. I mean, up to and including shit, how, like how I wore my belt, you know? Um, and I, I it, it, at first I thought it was amusing and then I was kind of irked by it. And then I, I, I took it the extra mile and thought if my stuff is that easily duplicatable, that's not his fault. That's my fault. And I, I would have hoped that, that at some point, you know, that Rollins would have embraced Sperry and somehow, you know, sank, like put him out on, on his, on your publishing company, you know, somehow, you know, yeah, I mean, like Rodan did, you know, these, these are factories. We generate stuff. We like-minded fellow travelers, but 
it didn't work out that way. And I think had it worked out that way, we would still have we would still have Sperry as an artist instead of what I heard he was doing last, which is being a, a paramedic or EMT guy or ambulance driver. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the, the the rumors that I heard too. Is the EMT? I heard a Buddhist monk, and then another one said that he killed himself. And and I've heard from people that that's not true. And I hope it's true. I hope it's not. But, no, I think they're confused. Yeah. Dave McCord was a good friend of his, and Dave McCord, and he also published Dave McCord, and he Dave McCord threw himself in front of a train. But uh, Sper- Sperry never seemed to me to be a suicide. I could be completely wrong. And I mean, yeah. I have a lot like. For a period of time, he was hanging around with this woman who was good friends with uh, the girl I was dating at the time, and she was scandalized about some sexual activity that she had heard that me and her friend were up to, and she had started to tell him, like, oh, could you believe that Eugene does blah, 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 and he stopped, He, according to him, I mean, I wasn't there, he stopped her and said, uh, <laughs> he said, and he's telling me this. He goes, I told her, you're going to have to stop right there. Eugene's a friend of mine, and I don't want to hear it, <laughs> which I which I thought, I thought that, that was like a, uh, that was a pretty stony thing to do, because I don't say if the situation was reversed, I would have said the same thing. I'd be like, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a man of honor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was, was pretty impressive. But, um, I mean, sadly, my last exchange with him, um, he had, he had just become an EMT and we had a lot of points in common, you know, we used to go to the gun ranges together and so on, but he had uh-huh. become an EMT and inevitably when you become an EMT, you start working with cops. Now I've got cops in the family. I've got friends who are cops, you know, I don't have any weirdness connected to cops, right? I understand it's a shitty job that nobody really wants to do. But he was talking to me about some 5150 guy that they had gotten at some automobile dealership out in the East Bay. And they chased this guy down, and the guy had crawled under a car at a dealership. And, you know, they were trying to get him out of the car to administer help. And Sperry was telling me, yeah, you know, it was about stomping the guy's balls or kicking him in his balls. And, you know, and then he was talking about being at the range and the homies were there. And I'm like, hey, what do you mean homies, man? What, what you, yeah, what you getting at? Yeah, you know, what do you mean black cats? You know, low working class black cats or Latino guys? What do you mean homies? What do you? And he was yeah. just he was just hanging around with you know just as an EMT, spending too much time hanging around with cops and you know. Yeah, uh, and if he has a tendency to take on other people's personalities, I could see that being a bad uh, situation. Yeah, and I mean to me, you know, I've been friends with like I said. I've Mafia guys, with cops, got cops in the family, you know, but through the whole through line is still Eugene. It's not, uh, you know, there's no yeah. chameleon thing happening. So I, I don't know. And so, like I said, sadly, I would hope that he's maybe moved beyond that or gotten out of that or something. But that was yeah. my that was my last conversation with him. I see. Um, now, did you you mentioned that you ran a practice place that Third Rail practiced at? No. Uh, House of Faith was a recording studio. Okay, it's a recording studio. It was okay. also it was also a re- rehearsal studio, but um, most was it, it in a motel? No, it was in Palo Alto, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, behind a, a hardware store at the end of this uh, kind of one of the last industrial sections of, of Palo Alto. And it's now a healthy. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, I was thinking of a different place. Okay, that that makes sense. 
All right. Interesting. Um, do you have any other scary stories or encounters with them or that you'd like to share? Or is that pretty much it? No, that's, that's, I mean, uh, the ones I could share, that's, that's pretty much it. I found him to be that sounds, amazing, that's amusing, and uh, he actually sang on, because, uh, you know, I'd been friendly with Rollins, too, and the second Oxbow record, uh, King of the Jews, I had asked Rollins to, I wanted him to sing on it, and he had agreed, but then, yeah, our, our, that friendship sort of fell apart, mm-hmm. and uh, probably because of me, <laughs> but you know. Uh, but then I realized, fuck, I, I know Sperry, and so <laughs> I just fucking called Sperry. I was like, "Hey, man, you want to sing on this Oxford song?" No shit. And again, like with the writing, you know, Rollins can't really carry a tune. He's sort of tone deaf. Yeah, Sperry, Sperry could actually sing, and he sang the part, and it sounded like. A, like a good role. It was perfect. It just made me, it made me laugh then, and it makes me laugh now. So that's awesome. You replaced Rollins with Sperry. Well, I was saying to a friend today that if I had a choice between interviewing Sperry or Rollins right now, I would take Sperry. Easily, easily, <laughs> easily. They, 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 you know, photographers have this thing that they call camera face. Where you know, if you've been taking somebody who's either photographed a lot or your photo session with them has gone on for a long time, yeah, you know the face, you know they just die in the eyes. And I think at this point now, Rollins has been interviewed so many times yeah. over so many years by so many different people that he's yeah. got whatever interview version there is of of you know of camera of camera face. Where yeah, I, yeah. you'd have to work really hard to get a good. I mean, there's a good interview in Rollins, and it's, sure. Either the number of people could actually do it or very few. Um, yeah. And, I would just I, ask him about Sperry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so funny. I would. That's my, that would be my oh, topic. <laughs> man. Oh, man. That would be I, – I would work hard to get you that interview if I thought that that was actually – Fuck, that would be that would be really nice if you did that. It might happen. It might happen one of these days. Like, I connections. We'll see. Well, I, I don't Definitely. think – I don't think he has very much of a sense of humor about himself, and you would definitely have to have that to enjoy it. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> it would be a tough, a tough hill to climb. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it, and I'd love to have you on the podcast for a full uh, episode sometime to ask you about your life and music and art and life. Anytime, anytime, okay. anytime. Uh, you want me on? I'm glad to do it. I will hit you up. I got your number now. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Eugene. Have a great night. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Damn!